All right, I got to tell you guys about the best mattress I've ever slept on and have been sleeping on for a couple of weeks now. Lisa. Lisa is taking over the game. They're driven by a mission to provide a better place to sleep for everybody. What that means is that they donate one mattress to a shelter for every 10 that they sell through their 110 program. Over 22,000 mattresses have been donated so far. They're also green as fuck. Lisa plants one tree for every mattress sold and donates 1% of every employee's time to volunteer for local causes. It's available online or at the Lisa Dream Gallery in Soho, New York City and Virginia Beach. It's American-made mattress. Ships compressed in a box to your door. It's fucking convenient. I unraveled this thing. It, it pops out of the box. You set it up and it's a no-brainer. It's one of the nicest beds I've ever slept on. And I own a Tempur-Pedic that costs over double what this bed costs. Thankfully, I've been turned on to Lisa and so should you. You can head over to Lisa.com forward slash on it to receive $160 off now. That's the deepest discount they've ever done at lisa.com slash on it. Yo, I want to tell you guys a bit about ButcherBox. ButcherBox delivers healthy, 100% grass-fed and finished beef. Free-range organic chicken and heritage breed pork directly to your door on a monthly basis. All their products are humanely raised and never, ever, ever given antibiotics or hormones. It's hard to find high-quality meat you can trust. ButcherBox is changing that, and they offer free shipping anywhere in the 48 continuous states. Not only is it convenient, the taste is unbelievable. There's a huge difference in flavor between animals raised on pasture and those fed grain in concentrated animal feed operations, which is destroying the motherfucking earth. So make sure you get some high quality food in your diet from butcherbox.com. You can head over to butcherbox.com and use code word on it at checkout for $20 off plus a free slab of bacon. On it podcast, we've got a very close longtime friend and training partner of mine. Noadia Lahat, better known as Neo. My man Neo is a guy I've trained for with a very long time uh, at a, an AKA in San Jose, California. He moved out to Las Vegas. I joined him there shortly after. And, um, you know, he's been a brother of mine for a long time. We talk about all sorts of cool shit on this podcast. He's a fighter by nature, but he's got a much bigger story than that. So we don't talk too much about fighting. A little bit about training, uh, a bit about his coach who passed away recently. We dive into deeper topics. We dive into the benefits of cannabis, how it's helped him with ulcerative colitis. I'm not sure I'm saying that right, but that's okay. And it's been the fucking one thing. I mean, out of every drug prescribed on the planet, cannabis has saved his life. And we dive into that. We dive into some of the other plant medicines that we've had a chance to, to uh, take together and what it's like growing up in Israel, what it's like knowing you're going to join the military at 18 like there's there's no ifs ands or buts about it what those experiences were like and just so much more i think you guys are really going to dig this podcast as i have and thank you for tuning in on a podcast with my boy neo no idea is that what we say it <laughs> no idea no idea lahat israeli army ufc fighter longtime teammate from aka both moved to vegas you moved first led the way yeah i joined you there uh, shortly after and you're fighting in Bellator now. Fighting with Bellator. Right? But we're not going to talk about that shit. We've got way more cool shit to talk about. Way more. Let's let's dive into uh let's dive into some fucking the beginning, the origins, growing up in Israel and uh jumping into service as as all are required to do. Okay. Talk about that shit. What was it like growing up there? Um <laughs> so first of all, you know that when you're done with high school, you go to the army. So you saw all the screening for the military. Pull that mic up a little bit. There we go. Around the age of uh, 15, 16, you start doing, uh, yeah, kind of planning the units you want to go to and you start doing all kind of uh, testing, physicals and, uh, and medical. They say, they see your profile. And uh, so me personally, because uh, I volunteered to the, to the, to the unit that I joined, so I know exactly where I'm going to. Some people go and the day of- they It's like a lottery, me. like, ah, I don't care where I go, and they just select something for you. Yeah, something like that. Okay. Yeah, but I was uh, I was a paratrooper, so I knew from the beginning that that's the one I'm going to. So I think that was a little different for me, but I know for you it may be weird, but for me it's reality. I know that from, since I know my whole life that when I'm 18, I'm going to military. 
I know that's what everybody does. So yeah. it's not weird for me. Yeah. And then going into that, like you have three years of prep kind of. So you're doing physicals, you're doing different assessments. And as as you chose, mm -hmm. you planned out what you wanted to do. Like you yeah. wanted to be that. So you got to go in and do that. Yeah. How hard is it to get into what you want to do? Like a lot of people are like, I want to go to the Air Force. And yeah. they don't, they can't, they're not smart enough. Yeah, or yeah. they want to go into this or that and they don't make it. So they end up choosing something else. Is it fairly common that you can select what you want to do and get in? Uh, I think they're trying to come as much as they can, you know, towards you, what you want. Yeah. But if you, if you're not, if you can't do it, then it's, it's the military. Yeah. And so your whole life you have, obviously there's no shortage of war, no shortage of violence. It's yeah. all around you, you're surrounded by it. And so you, it's not like, like getting drafted here in the States back in the day, there may have been war, there may not have been war, you know, and a lot of people yeah. would volunteer if there was a war like you look at guys like tim kennedy who re-enlists after he's out because there's something to fight for that he believes in mm -hmm. there there's no question it's not like yeah hey, i might enter and then i can do my four years it'll be easy and i'll get out and get some government grants towards college and shit like yeah, that's got yeah. nothing to do with that and it's a cultural thing how do you think that affects people growing up like like just being surrounded by violence more well, or less well I think it, we mature much faster, you know, than than the Americans, especially. And we mature much faster. Uh, uh, Israelis in their twenties, they're more mentally like thirty-five to forty American male. Mm. <laughs> so you see the way they dress, the way they talk, the way they uh, like Israelis. Usually they all go through a certain path. They all go to the military. After the military, they go work, save money, and then go on a big trip. They go either uh, South America or or Southeast Asia, places like that for six months, a year, and then come back, go to college. And everybody work through college, you know, because uh, you're already adult. You're not, you're not a teenager anymore. Mm. And, then, and then go to work. So me, I just went to the to the trip and never came back <laughs> and you're a fucking world traveler you, you yeah. know what, like right when i met you i was like i remember uh dave camarillo was our jiu-jitsu coach at the time and um obviously you know we we he, he ended up leaving and we have uh leandro vieira this checkman guy who you brought in yeah because hicardo vieira was your your jiu-jitsu coach gave you your black belt uh one of leandro's older brothers one of his two older brothers but there was all this talk like you were already a black belt in judo you had just gone back to see Ricardo in in uh, Brazil because he yeah. was down there and you wanted to get promoted. I think that's when you got your brown belt. You yeah. were a purple belt when you first got to AK, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you've been all over the world. We're, you're like the fucking, the world traveler for training too. <laughs> you know, uh, we just did, we just did uh, our taxes and uh, my, and Stephanie, my wife, was counting the days. I'm out of, uh, I'm out and we come out of a little over a hundred. And I hate traveling, <laughs> but I feel like if you want to learn something, you have to go to the source. So I wanted to learn Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I went to Brazil. I wanted to learn uh, uh, Muay Thai. I went to Thailand. And, uh, and if I want to learn something from someone, then I go to the person. I like to go and, and not learn from uh, YouTube or someone that learned from, I like to go. And, and I feel that it's really, as a, as a person, I always travel alone. I travel to Brazil by myself. I travel to Thailand by myself. I travel to Europe by myself. And uh, it's it's make you grow as a person when there's nobody to uh, to count on. You know, I landed in Thailand in the middle of the night. <laughs> uh, I, I got to my hotel at 3 a.m. I couldn't find the hotel. What do you do in Thailand at 3 a.m.? I can't even read the signs. <laughs> you can't find the hotel. <laughs> I'm in the middle of nowhere. And then you get to the hotel, there's nobody there. You have to wait. It, it's like, it's stuff like that. You, only when you travel alone, you learn. <laughs> yeah, and you speak how many languages? Uh, so I speak four, but, but you know, forgetting because uh, cause you don't use it. Yeah, you can Like Portuguese, yeah, I lived there for a while. In, uh, in Brazil, you have to speak Portuguese. You can't, you can't, nobody speak, not even a little bit of English. If you don't speak Portuguese, 
you, you, you can't get along there. So I had to learn Portuguese. Mm. But Ricardo always make fun of me because I'm forgetting. You know, you're not using it, you forget <laughs> it. Yeah, they're funny guys, the Vieira brothers. They're yeah. damn funny. So how, how long did you spend in Brazil? Did you spend some time there? Yeah, a year overall. Okay. Yeah. And then you've lived in a bunch of different places. You lived in San Diego. San Diego. You trained with uh, Dean Lister and Jocko Willink for a while out there. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. And then um, that was right before you came up to AK, is that yes. right? Yes, yeah. Trained at AK for a bunch of years and yeah. then out to Vegas. Yeah. We were just talking to you. I mean, it's a pretty big deal. It's, it's, it's newer. I, don't, I haven't spoken with anybody about this on the podcast that knew him but I didn't, I didn't even put two and two together that Robert Fallis was your coach. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. unfortunate deal, man. Do you care? Is it okay to talk about that? Yeah, it's okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, break that down, what that was like. Because I was at a wedding. I was at Nate Corey's wedding up in uh, Portland, Oregon, and everyone was talking about it. And I had, I had heard about it kind of through the grapevine before then, but I wasn't really sure what had happened. I thought he died. I didn't realize he, he took his own life. Yeah, yeah. And um, everyone was really broken up about it. And obviously, you know, we talked, we spoke of it about how he had come from that background as a Jehovah's Witness, which is without a doubt a fucking cult. Like yeah. there is no doubt that's a cult. You can say that about, a, yeah. You know, some people would say all religions are a cult. Some people would say bullshit. I'm Christian and it's not a cult, or I'm Jewish. It's not a cult. But there's no doubt that certain ones like Scientology or Jehovah's Witness, they have very, very cult-like characteristics. And one of those yeah. is if you leave, you're disowned. And it's not just disowned from the church, you're disowned from your entire family. From life. For life. Wow. For fucking life. And so it didn't, it didn't hit me until I was at Nate's wedding and he had tears in his eyes thanking me for coming and how much it meant to him. And I was like, fuck you, man. I wouldn't fucking miss your wedding. You're my brother, you know? And he was yeah. like, no. He goes, you don't understand. I have one family member that showed up for this. One. And there's hundreds living. One came to my wedding. Oh. You know? So it obviously it meant more to him than I understood, you know? Yeah. But, but so I we, think I, we, I had a moment like that with, uh, with Folius. He came to my house in Israel. And he'd been at my family's house, with my parents' house, for uh, for almost a week, and we showed him the country. And uh, when he left, he thanked me, and then he called them and thanked them. And for me, it was obvious. Yeah, you came to my house, and he said he never felt he never felt like that. Like you know, uh, he he said he was uh, he felt in ease right away. He he felt comfortable with everybody, and he said he never felt like that. And so for, to me, I didn't know I, I was. I, I didn't know about his uh, his past. He never shared with me, but I heard after I heard from Corey, and he was talking about that. And then I realized. And then you know you start making one and one, and you realize uh, you really you know all of a sudden you you understand uh, stuff. You understand why does it mean to him so much? All kind of stuff like that. And uh, to me, it really surprised me because uh, everybody knew him. Well, uh, one of my friends in Israel came to my fight, and you and and he heard about that, and he texted me. You know, I could never, I could never imagine that he was. I was jealous. He told me that I was jealous of him for his, uh, for his happiness and and how he uh, talk and share and his positivity. I could never guess that someone like that is actually depressed under, you know, underneath to the point, you know, so much pain to the point that you take your own life. It's not, it's not obvious. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, and obviously you were you were training with him in yeah. Vegas. He was one of your coaches, and and um, you know in MMA there's you be, you form tight bonds. It's you know people make the people over compare this to war and battle far too often. Yeah. And as I'm sitting across from a fucking guy who's been in war, like it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's silly to do that. You know, even like football players in the NFL, like we're going to war. Like no, you're going to play football. It's not that, but there is something where the bond, the bond yeah, is, there's is a the bond, same, right? Like, there's a yeah, camaraderie, and yeah. you're going through. You're putting your ass on the line. You're maybe yeah. not putting your life on the line, but you yeah. are putting your ass on the line. It's the same to us. You, you know? go to the cage. You know, you yeah. go with the mentality of there's a good chance I'm going to get hurt. Yeah, really yeah. hurt. You know, yeah. and there could be long term damage. You yeah. know, I've tried a great deal to unpack the brain damage that I've had through diet, exercise, supplements, and biohacks. But um, all that to say, like, you know. When you go to Vegas, especially before I get there, you know, and, and 
there's not a ton of people there. Like you form really close connections to the people you train with, yeah. the people who coach you, the people you go into these huh? these these fights with. Yes, especially all this time. You know, I'm I'm obviously I was new in Vegas. All I knew is home and gym. So I didn't know anybody outside. He welcomed me to Vegas. I uh Josh Thompson introduced me to him because I was looking to leave uh to leave San Jose and I was thinking about Vegas. And I was talking to Josh and Josh told me, I got the right the right person for you. And uh, I went to Vegas. I moved to Vegas and then I met them there, met him there, and he helped me. And uh, I trained with him almost every day for the for the two years uh I live there, so yeah, you know, it's the cutting weight that people don't realize. It's not even the actual fight. It's the cutting weight that's who's there, you know, and helping you when you're like I'm just about to, every time it's a, it, that's, the, that's the worst fight. Like you're about to break every time. If you don't break, you don't cut weight. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, that, that suffer of that, or like they push you when, uh, you know, the, the right person to tell you, hey, you overtrain, you're not, you're not undertrained, go home and rest that you know, especially in that sport, we miss those people so much. And, and I think that's, that's what I learned from him the most. I remember, <laughs> I remember thinking when I, when I got to uh, AKA and you were talking about taking the day off because my, my, uh, my pulse is a little higher and all I'm saying is like, pussy. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that look at this giant pussy he's like taking the day off well, what's wrong with you <laughs> I, <laughs> I got like, a lot of oh, shit for that oh so much shit and today I'm like oh no he's not a pussy I'm an idiot <laughs> that's the difference so he helped me and you know that's that's like a mental thing like to take the time off mm -hmm. and I learned from him you know you want to get first healthy then in shape then uh then uh the the fight game the fight plan that's it. That's that's the most important tools to win a fight. And when you put the 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 shape before the health and before the game plan, then and we did it for for too many years, and and nobody get healthier or stronger from that. Yeah, that's why we see you know so much in MMA. People keep getting hurt. People have to pull out of fights. Like you don't get injured when you're fresh. You don't get injured when you're when you're gas tank is full yeah. and you feel great it happens yeah. at the end of practice it happens two weeks before a fight because you've been overtraining for four weeks so for me thank god I, I i got a really strong hardware i never got you know like a bad injury but i i fried my uh, my software yeah yeah so so this is like i got hurt from that and i learned like now unless i feel good like i really i feel good i don't push and Cause I'm I'm older now. I'm not young anymore. I have already my black belts and stuff, so I know how to fight. So it's not about that. Now for me, it's about the timing. It's about the game plan. It's about being healthy, and that's how I win my fights now. And 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 I, the most important thing for me, because this is so, it, it, it's maybe the worst career path you can choose. But I just love doing that. So I make sure I'm enjoying doing that. If I don't enjoy doing that. That day I told my wife, that day I'm stopping. There's yeah, no what's reason. It, what's it all for? Yeah. Right. So I make sure I'm enjoying in training, that I go to training, I'm enjoying. I'm not just have to pick myself. You know those times when you like had to get off bed, drag yourself to take a hot shower just to warm up your body a little bit to be able to stretch so you can go down the stairs <laughs> to get <laughs> breakfast before you go to training. And today I'm like, no, if I can't walk, I'm not going to training. I'm, <laughs> you know, there's like, stretching for 40 minutes just to be able to warm up yeah so i don't do those anymore that's good you finally found the way to listen to your body yeah so so he helped me with that he helped me it was like i would come to the gym i was like no go home i was like well, what do you mean go home go home i don't need you here you can barely move i was like no no just just give me give me like a half an hour i'll stretch i'll come back it's like stretch and then go home <laughs> <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so he got me out of that cycle he really helped me with that yeah that's tough, man. So you, you took off to to Thailand after to clear your head. Mm -hmm. You went out and saw our boy Mike Swick. Yeah, yeah. He's got an awesome fucking gym out there. I want to go out to see. Oh, he built America over there. It's crazy. <laughs> he got a little America in town. It's insane. He got this gym look like a little bit like that, only like MMA. Really nice. Everything is clean. Everything good taste. I really enjoyed uh, going there. You know, and you have uh, the cafe right there, and it's, everything is outside in the open. So you train and then sit there, and it was really nice. I did a podcast with him talking about old, how I got to MMA and stuff. All the old shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I can't wait to get out there. I'm going to get out there at some point. Yeah. Maybe I'll, I'll get on it to take care of that trip if I podcast with Swick. We'll call it a business <laughs> business trip. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way. Yeah, but he's um, Swick's been a, another dude that's been there from day one. I remember when I got there, Swick was funny too because he really was like batshit crazy. Yeah. Like you remember him blowing up? He would take. He be. It was when so Swick was in the top five at welterweight with John Fitch and Koscheck in the top three and they would go to war with each other and if swick lost a round to either one of those guys who's in the top three he would spit his mouthpiece out start cursing at everyone in his corner it's when we had a ring it's in that yeah. shitty mall that mini mall and he'd start peel, trying to rip his gloves off before he could untie him he's like mother fuck fuck fucking just yanking shit off screaming and he just <laughs> run it's like inconsolable yeah but it was yeah. funny it was like watching like a five-year-old go ape he was shit so passionate yeah yeah, he gave a he cared that much. You didn't yeah. you want to lose fucking one round. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good dude, man. I'm happy he's doing well out there and his gym's really successful. Definitely want to make a trip out there. But let's 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 lighten it up a bit. Let's talk let's about one up. of my favorite things on earth. Let's talk about <laughs> weed. Uh-oh. Let's talk about cannabis. I've been a pretty big proponent of this. Uh obviously both of us were in California for some time. Mm -hmm. It is now recreational in California. It's I helped vote time. for that before I moved. And it's recreational in the great state of Nevada, where you live, brother. Yeah. So we got a lot of good stuff. Yeah. How has cannabis helped you? Because you've had, you've had some pretty serious gut issues over the years. Yeah, yeah. Like I told you, I, I fried my, uh, my heart, my, uh, my software. I my immune system just went crazy from uh, uh, stress, um, emotional, physical. I was training like crazy. I was really poor, and I didn't want to leave the gym because. Every time I step out of the gym, it costs me money. So I would wake up in the morning, come to the gym, and for 10 hours straight, just train. And uh, I didn't know how to go light. So everything was all out war. And a few years, you do that. A few fight camps, you do that. And, uh, you know, the body start giving you signals, stop doing that. And, you know, I learned in the military, everything is in your, right here. Everything is in your head. <laughs> you just imagine the pain. So you push through and I was keep pushing and I got, it, I went to the bottom when I was the, the, the really the bottom when I, when I cut weight for one, uh, one fight and I just couldn't put the weight back on. I got to the fight, it was, I won the fight, but it was one of the most painful experience of my life. Every, every muscle in my body was cramping. And I was in so much pain and, and you can't stop when you cramp to take a stretch. The guy's trying to take your head off. And I was remember I, I was clinching with him and I hear my my back go pack, pack, pack. Everything just get out of line from the pressure of the of the the, the yeah, of the, the pressure of the, the cramping. Mm. Anyway, from that I didn't got better. I had to go to the doctor, realize I've been diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. Uh, the same thing that GSP just uh, retired second time for. That's I know I'm that much tougher. <laughs> yes. Hell yeah. So I've been at the bottom. I, I got to the point, if you see, there's a two years in my career that, that I didn't fight. It, I was in the gym every day. I was 130 pounds, now I'm 165, healthy. I was 130 pounds, anemic out of my mind. Don't even know it. Help uh, sparring the cage with Thompson, uh, help him ready for, uh, for his fight. Who walks and around at 170? Who walks around, yeah, and plus 175, like easy. Well, that's when he's a fat kid. Yeah. So, you know, just Bob was looking at me, he's like, yeah, he, he wouldn't tell me that he won't, get, won't let me fight. <laughs> but he's like keeping it on the, just let me, let me, he wanted me to like, to heal first. But mm -hmm. in my head, I can't heal. So I was keep training. I was in so much pain. I was in, in pains, it, the pain was so bad, it felt like every time I ate something that my stomach didn't like, it felt like I ate uh, broken glass. You feel like broken glass coming down and going till it's going out, that's how it feel. You f yeah, every once in a while you get cramping and the cramping felt like I got a knife inside my stomach trying to come out. The worst pain I ever felt in my life. And, and I felt some pain. <laughs> and you roll on the floor in pain, like cramping like crazy, and then it goes away. It's like, oh, okay, I'm good, I'm good. 
Five minutes later, boom, again. So it's kind of pain that you can't get used to because it's keep attacking. I got to the hospital. They gave me a bunch of drugs that made me feel so much worse. You remember me? Prednisone, all that shit. Yeah, they gave me 80 milligram prednisone IV a day. Killed me, like destroyed me. I got home. I remember I was on the couch. Like I couldn't pick up my uh, my laptop. I was trying to hold the laptop. I was in, be- in on the couch. Couldn't, was too heavy. Couldn't hold anything. Everything I ate, always in pain. Couldn't sleep. Uh, tried almost, I was on on two different immune suppress and and, uh, and the steroids, the, the cortisone, the prednisone they gave me. The side effects were horrible. And then Stephanie goes like, my wife, hey, why don't you try cannabis? I'm like, what's wrong with you? I'm doing drugs now? <laughs> she was like, yeah, I, I, you know, they always tell that it's good for, for stomach pain and stuff. She, so she, uh, she was like, I'll, let's go to the doctor. There's the, those doctors, the weed doctors in, in Cali. So I'm barely walking. She dragging me to that to the clinic. I sit there and it goes like, uh, okay, give us your, uh, your driver license. I was like, I don't have it. Then we can give you the card. And I'm like, I stand, I'm in such a bad mood. Fuck this shit. Let's go. Fine. They're like, oh, wait a second, wait a second. Do you have your license? They pointed my wife. And she goes like, yes. Do you have any of these problems? <laughs> and they, they, they handle, they handle a, a list, a long list. She goes like, yes, I do have anxiety. Then you should have, <laughs> you should be treated with uh, medical cannabis. They call her in, give her the license. We go out. <laughs> We drive to the dispensary, she goes in. She comes out. So she tells him like, hey, uh, my husband uh, is a beginner, never done it before, what do you got for me? They gave her edibles and, and a bong, <laughs> this bong and a, for a beginner, for someone who never done it before. <laughs> I go home and I never smoked in my life. I never drink, I never been drunk, I never took anything. Cause my whole, you know, when I'm growing up, I always wanted to be an Olympian. So my, you know, when the 14 years old steal, stealing daddy's vodka, I'm like, no, that's not going to make me stronger. I'm not taking that shit. So first time ever, I'm 24, maybe, yeah, I'm something like that. First time ever, I'm letting go. And I'm trying to smoke, and I don't know how to smoke. So you take me like a few hits. I don't know what I'm doing. Did you blow into the bong? First? I swallow it instead of breathing it, like inhaling it. I was keep swallowing. So I'm like, this shit, I'm not getting high. This is, uh, this is not going to work on me. <laughs> <laughs> and then, okay, I tried a few times, and then I took the right hit. And, you know, all of a sudden, you're like, boom. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm laying back, like, on the couch. And I remember, like, then it was, like, already late because I'm trying to smoke, and I can't. So I'm hitting it, like, a few times, like, trying to smoke. I'm like, I don't feel anything, and keep hitting it. I don't, nothing at all. He, you know, it take a few minutes to hit in, but when it hit, <laughs> I already took so many hits. Lift off. So, so I'm going to bed, and I'm so so high out of my mind and then my wife looked at me and started crying i'm like why are you crying she was like that's the first time you smiled in four months mm-hmm. that that's it that's the first time you smile in four months and you know and since then i tried every treatment uh, possible from stem cell to every kind of diet to Almost every medication there is nothing been beneficial to me like cannabis. The only time I'm not in pain is when I'm high and when I fight. That's it. It's powerful, man. So, Mother Nature fucking figured it out. Yeah, man. It's There's so me many. Calm. I put my weight back on. I can eat. I'm relaxed. And not only that, it make me. It really made me a better person. Cause to me, there was not on and off. I'm always in fight mode. I'm always ready to fight. And you would see on my face, you see like an older like picture. I'm I'm in fight mode all the time. The only time it's off, it's when I smoke. Now I don't I don't get like crazy high because I'm always high, so I don't get that. But just to have that in my system, and I know when I'm when I have it and don't have it. Like before fights that I can't, like the, those weeks before, that's when I feel it. That's when you know the pain come back, everything, and uh, that's another stupid thing that I can. Can't take my medicine before a fight, but but that's the time that I'm. It's changed me as a person. You know, I can turn off the fighter in me, 
and I can relax and I can let go, you know, make me a better, a better dad, a better, a better husband. Cause I can, you know, I get high and my son come jumping me. All I do is like hug him and kiss him and play with him and stuff like that, you know, <laughs> instead of, uh, instead of thinking about uh, Kimuras and chokes and stuff. <laughs> or, or the knee jerk reaction of you just kicked me in the nuts. When the kid runs up and jumps on your lap, you know, oh, and you're like, yeah. oh, what are you doing? You know, and it's like, ah, oh, okay, be easy. You it, hurt it's not as worse since they're running to you with like dirty hands and mouth, your new clothes and like, and like wiping it on you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wiping the boogers all over you yeah. and their fucking grimy hands. It's helped you understand that like, like a little relaxed, like it's just fucking close. Who care? Yeah. Yeah. It takes, it takes the load off everything. It's kind of yeah. like, um everything's a little sweeter everything's a little calmer everything's a little bit more relaxed yeah. you know it's funny because people think about these things you know and and it's it, i mean i've been in airports i don't watch cnn and shit like that but i've been in airports and seen it on and they're like they'll run some fucking stupid ass stat like such and such is up in the state of colorado since cannabis has become legal you know and it's like yeah but domestic abuse is down Drunk driving is down. DUIs are down. Fucking taxes are up. Schools are up. Like all, it's like a complete reversal, you know. Yeah. Uh, and including was something they they really had a concern for, which was the kids. Guess what? Kids have had access to fucking weed for fucking centuries. Yeah. You want fucking weed? If you're a kid, you're gonna smoke it. I could have smoked if I was a kid, and my friend was offering to me. I was like, no, nah, no, thank you. Yeah, I so I first tried it when I was 15, and I was like, it's not for me. You know, yeah. like I got high. It was cool, but I was like, it's not for me. I, I'm not, I don't appreciate it yet. I'll come back to it later. Yeah. And I did in college and I loved it in college. But but it's it's a funny thing. And then now when they look at the stats in Colorado, kids don't start smoking till they're older. The 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 child use is down. Because it's not that of a big attraction anymore. It's not yeah, it's not off limits. It's 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 there. It's it was accessible before, but now it's kind of like alcohol. It's like, okay, I know at a certain point I'll be able to smoke this. Okay. And I also know more about it. Like, I know what it does. There's not like this, like the veil is lifted. There's not like this huge fucking mystery, mysterious aura behind it. Like, you know what cannabis will give you. You'll get high. It looks like this. You know, a lot of times they see their parents get high. It's not a, it's a social thing, right? It's not this thing cast into shadows where I'm going to smoke weed in, in, in the bathroom with the window open and not let my kids see it. You know, like yeah, everyone all, I know that's in Cali. environment. Yeah, like, like <laughs> people smoke in front of their kids. They don't blow it in their fucking face. They don't want their kids to get high. Yeah. And they're not smoking in the living room. You know, they'll go smoke wherever. But at the same time, like, it's okay. It's socially acceptable. The same way you'd have a glass of wine in front of your kids and not worry about them raiding the pantry and getting shit-faced when you leave for 30 minutes. Yeah, you know, Follies told me that. We're talking about Follies. Uh, he told me, you know, the only side effects known to weed is that it may may lead to heroin use. <laughs> but if you know that right off the bat, then there's no problem. <laughs> just <laughs> just be careful not to, not to not to take heroin. Yeah, that's funny. Well, I mean, like, alcohol is the ultimate gateway drug. You yeah. say weed is the gateway drug. It's like, guess what? Alcohol is a fucking drug. And I told this to many people. I said it on the podcast with Uriah. Jiraiya was asking but me. But weed, like, it is, it, it is getaway, you know, to other drugs. But it's more to like shroom and like ayahuasca. You're not doing meth after you smoke weed. Yeah, there's no attraction there, right? Yeah. But that's also because you understand the power. Of All right, we had a little hiccup there with the with the uh, with the Zoom, whatever the fuck <laughs> we're recording on. We had battery loss, but we're back, baby. So what I was bringing up was this point. When you have cannabis, you realize like here's a plant that comes from the ground. It's made by nature. And wh whether you have a spiritual background or not, you begin to understand that maybe there's a little bit more interconnectivity than we thought. Maybe some things are here on purpose, whether that's by design from a great source or a power or whether it's just fucking Mother Earth bringing up the goods. And if you don't like it, don't smoke it. Leave yeah. more to me. Yeah, you don't have to. Yeah, it's it's not it's, it's not it's not a problem, right? <laughs> it's not a problem for for everyone else if you're stoned. It is a problem for everyone else if you're shit faced drunk. It's a problem when that guy decides to drive. Yeah, it's a problem if that guy I'm violent is becomes violent with his family or or at a bar. It, it's a problem, right? It's not a problem when somebody's stoned. It's far less of a problem, at least, right? 
And so, uh, yeah, you brought up a good point, though, that that when we start thinking of the plants, and maybe there is a little bit of an awakening process where we say, what other plants have, <laughs> have a profound experience for yeah. us you that know, are all so that healing for the body? Orange got vitamin C. That one got THC. You know, what's other stuff got? Yeah, and we look at, you know, looking into, obviously, you know, we're pretty big fans here. I can't speak for all of on it, but for Kyle Kingsbury and Aubrey Marcus, huge fans of psychedelics and the plants. And um, when you look into tryptamine-based psychedelics like psilocybin mushrooms, ayahuasca, DMT, like all these things fit into serotonin receptors in the brain. They're quite healing for the brain and many parts of the body. They help heal the gut. They help heal a lot of things. THC, it fits into CB1 receptors in the brain, but CBD and all these other cannabinoids fit into fucking every cell in the body. Like it goes throughout our entire system. Yeah. You know, and there's all these alkaloids and terpenes in the plants that have a number of benefits. You know, they used to just think of cannabis as like, oh, THC is the best. So we'll make all these strains have really high THC and we'll, we'll dumb down the rest. And then now it's come full circle. We yes. know that there's CBN and CBG and THCA and every, all these things have anti-inflammatory effects. There's terpenes like D-limonene, which is what they use in orange oil to fucking rid your house organically of termites. Mm -hmm. What does that do? That gets rid of parasites, candida. It's antimicrobial. It helps heal and get rid of bad bugs in the gut. It's incredibly beneficial for the immune system. Whatever you said. All this shit's in the <laughs> plants, though. You know what I'm saying? It's all, it's yeah. all there, right? It, yeah. And 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 it's done that way. You know what I mean? They used to, I think there's no way to know for sure, but it looks like cannabis before we started mucking with it obviously it had far less levels of everything you know until we started to uh cultivate and, and crossbreed but i know weed now it looked, it looked closer california weed strong the whole different ball game you know yeah. you talk to any any old timer who used to smoke in the 70s and they're like man it's a lot different oh it's way different <laughs> but but it looked like things were much closer in ratio cbd to thc was closer to a one-to-one -one ratio all the other alkaloids and terpenes were much higher you know and and there is balance and we're creating that you can now still get research. those if you want to yeah well but, that's, but that's what's beautiful that's today you can there's so many strains and they're so different you can almost get the medicine to whatever problem you have and you need like oh it's uh, my problem is in the morning that's what i want oh i i can't sleep at night you you take something that help you to sleep help something to help you uh, you know like focus you can find those uh strain for almost everything and uh and that's amazing yeah, we were talking about that earlier with with because Israel has been on the front lines of medical cannabis yeah, for decades. One, there's one lab in Israel, uh, in the university that that uh, I, I don't know how to uh, like they, they're checking which strain good to every type of cancer. So if you have certain cancer, they can tell you which weed will be good for you. Yeah, that's phenomenal. That's, I mean, that's the future. That's and for everybody that's uh, snake oil, cannabis doesn't cure cancer, blah, blah, blah. It's don't like, smoke it. Yeah, it's like, well, look, <laughs> there, the are, there are... Hey, I, I don't say don't take, don't take chemo if you need to, but, but even if you take chemo, weed will make it that much better. Yeah, and I've, I've, I know three really close friends of mine that have gone through chemo, yeah. and cannabis, they, they, get, they credit everything to cannabis. Yeah. Their health, being able to get through chemo, being able to eat while they couldn't eat being able to sleep at night while they couldn't have a sleep. smile when you feel like shit yeah. when you're so sick and yeah and you have a smile and you laugh a little bit it's kind of like the, the the study they showed uh rogan was talking about how fasting can benefit and we we know now there's numerous studies one of the reasons i just finished the five-day water fast fasting after four days kills cancer it kill it, it through cellular autophagy and apoptosis it's there's a natural recycling that occurs and the body's intelligent so it's not going to pick apart muscle and make you weak. It's going to clear out old immune cells. It's going to clear out anything that's become senescent. It's going to clear out anything that's become cancerous. And it will digest and break that down first to recycle it into the body. Then when you eat again, you get a boatload of stem cells released and you create brand new immune cells, brand new cells where they're needed, right? So there's a refreshing that happens there. Many reasons to do that. But with cancer specifically, not only does it help to eliminate cancer, to reduce tumor size, but in conjunction with chemo that was what was cool this study that rogan was talking about where in conjunction with chemo it showed 300 percent benefit to chemo alone if you fasted with it oh. so there's also studies that are coming out that show this benefit 
not in the same way and maybe not a 300% change, but there's a huge benefit to having cancer with chemo. I mean, having, uh, <laughs> having cancer, there's a bit of it there. There's a huge benefit to having cannabis with chemo, right? And so I think down the road, as, the, as we see more and more science become available and like we were saying earlier, I mean, it's fucking dominoes. There's too much money to be made. You know, even states in the Bible Belt, they're going to see how much money's coming in from tax dollars. California has already stated they will make a billion, one billion with a B in their first three years. And then it'll be a billion a year annually. And every fucking year after that, a billion in tax dollars. And this is a state that has notoriously been known to have shitty infrastructure, shitty government that doesn't know how to fucking spend money. And so they can use that. Yeah, but they're missing that. Because they, they become too greedy and trying to get too much and they're well, waking up the underground. I think Colorado set the bar high with 40% tax rate. Yeah. But people will still fucking pay it. Yeah. They'll still pay it. No, and but it's it's great for the for the for the everyday person that you just go every once in a while. If you if you pay an extra cents on, on your joint that you smoke once a month, just to just to have that ability, it's amazing. It is amazing. And with Colorado leading the way. They're now funneling money back into research. So yeah. we have, for the first time in the U.S., state-funded research on cannabis that doesn't have to go through NIH. Previously, the government, the federal government held a monopoly on all weed, and it came, I think, out of Missouri from one farm, which grew shit weed, you know, just <laughs> fucking like dirt brown Mexican weed, like the fucking worst weed on the planet. And so all studies were done on that. Well, of course, it's not organic. Yeah. It's not fucking high quality. And now through legalization, and third-party testing, yeah, largely because of the, the medical community, it's one thing if you decide, I'm going to eat this shitty food. It's another thing to smoke pesticides and herbicides, especially yeah. if you have cancer. It's a fucking big no-no, right? Yeah. So what that's done is it's raised the quality of cannabis across the board with third-party testing so people know what they're putting in their body. You know if you get a 20-milligram edible, it's 20 milligrams. It's not from you know Joe's Kitchen where the fucking brownies... You it's, know, it's anywhere between 5 to, to 500. <laughs> yeah. It's from the same batch. It's yeah. got to be the same, right? But yeah. it isn't. You know, It never is. So it's really, I think it's really cool for people that oh, are first starting out. The products are clean. It's amazing. It's, uh, it's just everything is on a different level. And it's raised everything up because... Because everything have to be transparency now. You don't sell it, you know, in the parking lot. Eh. It, so this is a, and the regulation and stuff. Even though you know the pain in the ass, but still, they just raise all the quality of everything, and it's a, it's a different game. Yeah, it's a completely different game. It's coming up big time. Let's talk a little bit about the other plants because we had an opportunity a few uh -huh. years back. Fuck, maybe five years ago. It was, it was a while ago yeah our old coach who passed away um we got a we got a chance to do ayahuasca together yeah let's dive into that brother break that break that experience down thanks <laughs> <laughs> wow that was uh 2014 mm. that was a while ago yeah it was that that was in the <clears throat> the indian reservation mm -hmm. yeah that was uh that was my first time doing uh any kind of uh like straight to ayahuasca and straight to the big leagues yeah i don't play around first fight was in the ufc no big <laughs> deal <laughs> yeah that that was uh I, I really enjoyed that it's what i think my view of that is different than yours i the way i see it i think it's just <clears throat> um growing up is you know in 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 society any kind of society Either society or yourself or or your expectation or your parents, you putting checks and balances on your on your character. No, I need to go to school because that's what everybody's that's what the good people do. So I go to school. Oh, I have to find a nine to five job because that's what that's what society tells me to do. I need to do that. Even if nobody tells you that, you know, you're still being pushed and being limited to to the certain things you want to 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 uh to be exposed to and um and that's i think that's what you see like when we did the ceremony most of the people were crying and they come with their resolution that i need to change my life i need to do this the only people that are laughing enjoying and and enjoying there and and it was me and you that's it <laughs> there were so many people everybody's crying and miserable and throwing up me and you the only one are happy because me and you the only one to do what what we want to do 
No one told me, no, you have to be a fighter, <laughs> right? I do it because that's what I want to. That was like a big, uh, a, you know, a, going to that and not, not getting a real job, you know, years chasing that dream. And I think for me, it just took that and I just felt so comfortable with who I am over there. And, uh, and you know, the visions I saw, all I saw is that I do what I love. And, and I think that's why stuff like that is so important for people that really know, want to know the true self. Because mm. you don't really expose your true self unless you can take those, those checks and balances out and just really expose the person you are. How can you be happy if you don't do what you want? Because you, you can't even tell yourself what you want. Like I have so many people, I don't know what I want, but they, want, they know exactly what they want. They just don't have the guts to actually do what they want because it's a little scary to open a new business. It's not, you know, it's not what you really want to do. You, and uh, <laughs> I think that, that that's the main, uh, the, the, what, why is it open people's uh, eyes after that? I know what I want to do. I want to leave my wife and live with a man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it could be anything it could yeah. be anything at all you know Not, it, is, yeah. it is funny you brought that up because we were we had a fuck it was one of the most beautiful experiences i've had gentle for sure yeah and um we were we were laughing we were enjoying it and it was a day ceremony the trees came alive i mean you're so connected in nature it, it was true beauty yeah. but i think the more you know there's there's no doubt there's been ceremonies that i've done it's different every time there's been ceremonies that i've cried there's been stuff that I've needed to let go. And it is different every time. You know, I think what you recognize was a lot of people are in pain, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's, it, it doesn't take ayahuasca to understand that. You can look around and, and sorry to quote Rogan again, but like one of his pinned tweets is like, we don't have a gun issue. We have a mental health, health issue in America, right? We have a fucking mental health problem here. There's no doubt that a lot of people are in pain. And largely due to the fact that we do have these agreements, you know, they talk about that, Don Miguel Ruiz in, in the four agreements, the domestication of man. We're born into a system of ideas. And from that, we have more ideas placed upon us from parenting, from teachers, from elders, from other classmates. From TV, you open TV and that's how a man should look like. I'm sorry, but there's not many men on TV I want to look like them. You don't want to look like <laughs> Johnny old, Depp in one of those fucking French soft cologne and... commercials? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know where Ugh. they get the fucking recipe for these cologne commercials, but they're fucking so bad. And yeah. they haven't changed them in 20 years. Oh, Luke Rockle just got one. Did he? Yeah. Luke Rockle. Yeah. He yeah. fucking looks like a cologne boy. Yeah. <laughs> little he just got Kendall. one. Yeah. Looks, looks a little, little piece of ass. He's a hot piece of ass. <laughs> But yeah, you know, and I think there there is that awakening process and it is different. And, you know, all in this, it can happen all in the same, in the same day where you, you go through some shit, you release that, you see the beauty in all things, you come to a greater understanding of what you want to accomplish in life and what are the things. People don't pr even produce the natural drugs that they're supposed to. They don't go to sleep in time. They don't exercise. They don't eat what they're supposed to do. So their body is, is whack out of hormones, out of balance. So so how, they, how are you going to feel good if, if the chemical imbalance in your body is so whack? If you don't sleep, you don't eat, you don't exercise, what do you do? You just be in a, a machine to, in someone's office to, to you know, yeah, sit in front of the computer. Car. You're not human anymore. Yeah. And, and you, so a lot of, I think a lot of people are, uh, are, you know, I'm not talking about people with a serious problem that depress and sick. I'm talking about there's so many people that depress and they go to the doctor, hey, take this. But the doctor don't tell them like, no, motherfucker, you're depressed because you're supposed to be depressed. You haven't seen the sun in two weeks. You, you, you don't exercise, you eat like shit or, you know. So yeah, you'll be depressed. Yeah, there's a So there's just a adding more chemicals to that, not gonna do anyone any good. The doctors aren't gonna prescribe you more Vitamins. exercise yeah. or more sunlight well, it's your responsibility more, yeah and it's not it's just like i don't go to an auto mechanic for really good water i don't go to <laughs> you know i don't go to the dentist yeah. for organic food like it's not in their wheelhouse to serve that to you mm -hmm. right and some good doctors i'm not saying they're all bad but some good doctors will say oh you should exercise more but they don't even fucking know what that looks like a lot of doctors are fat and if and if or or just not in great health and I, and it, it doesn't like some of the doctors, some of the best doctors I've learned from, like Dr. Stephen Gundry, who wrote the Plant Paradox, 
high level fucking doctor, Dr. David Perlmutter, who wrote Grain Brain and Brain Maker, neurosurgeon, high level doctor. And both those guys were extremely out of shape and in very bad health before that was the catalyst that caused them to change, to realize that diet and exercise Chick would said help that with that. At some point in your life, your health going to be your number one priority, mm-hmm. right? Sooner or later, Sooner your or later, your yeah. number one concern. Yeah. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. And people push that aside like, you know, I'm just living life. I like this thing or I like you know, to but eat this food. I did the same thing. For me, it was performance before everything else. I was... Uh, I was okay with sacrifice everything to perform better, but surprisingly, I didn't perform better. It'll always catch up with you, you know. No. It'll always catch up with you at some point. It, I look, I fucking joke with uh, Gary Tonin online, who's one of the best jujitsu players in the world, and he'll always post some picture of him eating like a fucking some shitty ass cheeseburger from McDonald's or Carl's Jr. or whatever. He's twenty something. He's twenty something exactly. And he when he I remember when he went on Rogan's, he was talking about how like no, I don't pay too much attention to my diet. It's like yeah, I could get away with that shit when I was fucking twenty. Also, I could drink like a fish and go train at five a.m. when I played ASU football. I could show up half drunk, leaving the bar at two a.m. at five a.m. to work out and still get through that workout. But at thirty. You can't do that. But I think even in 20, you'll pay for that in your 30s. No doubt. Yeah. yeah. A lot of the shit is unpacking yeah. the damage that I've done, yeah, right? Yeah. There's no doubt. And so it's just it's just funny, though. Is it's, oh, I got my degree in this, and I know what I'm doing. and you know, and, Or it's the 80-20 rule. But what does the 80-20 rule really look like? It looks more like 50-50. 50% of the time, <laughs> you make good food. 50% of the time, you eat like shit. And because you're, you look good on the outside, you think that it's okay. Rotten on the inside. Yeah. So many people in fitness fit that claim, you know, and that's why, you know, you follow like these Instagram models, shit like that. And they're, it's pizza night or it's this, it's that. And I'm not saying I don't fucking eat pizza. I'll eat against the grain. I won't eat gluten, but I mean, I'll, I'll throw caution to the wind every now and then, but that looks more like 90, 10. But, but I, I eat like even pizza and burger doing like fight camp. You don't have to eat shitty food to eat pizza. You can have a good pizza and have a good food. Like my wife make uh, this pizza from cassava, cassava flour. Tastes just like not just like bread, but tastes good, but it's not grain. You know, you put that goat cheese stuff like that. You want a burger, you can make your own burger. It doesn't I make grass-fed burgers all the time. Exactly. It doesn't have to be a shitty burger. Like I don't have to eat shitty food, you know, to, to eat good food, to eat food that tastes good. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to <laughs> to be I'm like not that. eating a boca burger made yeah. out of beans just so I can feel like I can have a burger. Yeah. Right? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So you've got. Uh, let's talk kids. Your 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 little boy was born two yeah. or three days after Bear. Two days, yeah. Two days, Ezra. Ezra. He is he is a beast. <laughs> you know, it's funny because they yeah. are like for the longest time we lived in Vegas, same height, looked like the same weight, same body structure. Both of them have their shoulders back, like fucking defiant little animals running around tearing big shit ass. up. Yeah, big ass. And then he's got a big ass just like you. But the only difference is he has your calves. Yeah, he's got skinny tiny calves. Ass, chicken legs. Skinny calves. Just with the calves, not that's in the thighs. Yeah, that, that, that's why I do my, that's why I'm a runner. <laughs> I love running, dude. Every Sunday I'm going, you saw me, you've been there. Yeah, man, we'd go up to yeah, Mount, Charleston, Mount Charleston, run at altitude. Yeah, man. This is, you do most but, of the hey, running, you know, I do some kettlebells. So, so check this out. I, I was in LA uh, after my uh, August fight. And I was on the beach with him. And all of a sudden, he started running on the soft sand. And I'm like, okay, he'll, he'll get tired. he come back. He's not getting tired. He keeps running. So I'm getting outside chasing him. And he's like, no, I want to run. So I, me and him running two miles. Since then, me and him running around the block one mile every night. He's three years old. Not, not even. He's, not uh, three yet. Yeah. yeah, not three yet. He, he run every night. He's a savage. He, but he make me run with him. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I don't need that mile run now. I'm, I just yeah, train his train. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, every night, me and him and the dog. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. And you got a bun in the oven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a daughter now. The little girl's coming. Yeah, little girl's coming. And so huh. this podcast will be out probably when she's here on Earth. Yeah. Right? Yeah. She's coming when? Next week or two, or two weeks from now? That's up to her. Yeah. <laughs> I guess no, that's we, right. We're just waiting. It's very cool. Somewhere this weekend uh, and on. What Do you guys have a name picked out? We have a name picked out, yeah. Uh, we usually don't say the names. That's uh, like Israeli It's top thing. secret. We don't say the name until the, until the baby's here. It's like... Um, we don't say the name. We don't buy anything. 
for the kid until he's here. That's pretty good, though. He's then here. you get parents to 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 cough up the gifts yeah. and all that. Then, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But now you know you got the second one, so it's just uh, hand me. Yeah. What do they call that? A sprinkle. It's not a baby sprinkle. shower. It's a sprinkle. Yeah, the sprinkle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So, are you guys have any have any plans to have more kids after that, or are you just gonna take it one at a time? Hey, man. You know, I I uh, I went to my uh, accountant the uh, a week ago. And me and my wife sitting there, and he's looking at me like, you know, you just not doing your uh, your share uh, fair. I'm like, well, what are you talking about? I was like, look, Christians over a billion, Muslims over a billion. How many Jews are there? I was like, maybe 20 million. Was like, you see? <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, you got something. <laughs> but I come from a big family. I'm one of five, and I always I, I like kids. I want, but you know, it's up to my wife. <laughs> but I want at least two more. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. We wanted a big family. My wife's one of five. She has three step siblings. I wanted to so try, build a tribe. Eight. Yeah, build a tribe. My dad is the oldest of five. My mom is second oldest of five. My mom my mom is one of seven. My dad is one of thirteen. Fuck thirteen kids. Thirteen. Yeah. So there's a story. My grandma married my grandpa when she was three years old. Now that sounds like the most Yeah. When so, did they consummate the marriage? around the age of uh so let me tell you the whole story <laughs> from the beginning my 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 dad's family is from yemen originally jews in yemen um live among the muslims and the law of the muslims if the the girl doesn't have a dad or a husband to own them then they come and take the girls so my uh my grandma's dad they killed him and then right away the same day her daddy's died, they found my grandpa and they married them that day. So they always won't take her. Mm. Yeah. So they got married. My dad went back to his uh to his family. <laughs> they got to his family and around I think the age of uh 12, 13, something like that, they actually uh, teenagers something, they they got really got married. That's awesome. But yeah, so they start really young. So one <laughs> of 13. That would yeah. be fucking nuts. It's one thing to know you're going to go into the military from the fucking first time you can speak and comprehend language. It's another thing to know, uh, like, wait a minute, I've already got a wife. I'm already accounted for. Yes, I got but, a ball and chain. No so, so that was in Yemen in 1947, a, a year after uh, the independence of Israel, the neighbors decided that they're just going to come and kill everybody. So they left everything they had behind and just left to Israel. My family, the same thing from uh, from Afghanistan. My mom family, in the forties, uh, there was a war in Israel, Jews and Arabs, and the Muslims in uh, Afghanistan decided that somehow it's their fault, even though they lived there for hundreds of years. Start killing them, left everything behind, ran to Israel. Wow. Yeah. So uh, basically, yeah, I'm a second generation to refugees, <laughs> but we don't grow with that that mentality. This is, you know, Israel is our land. This is our home. So we don't. Uh, and your parents are very successful people. Yeah, you know, very it's crazy. Successful. Crazy to think that mm -hmm. this, they left literally with nothing. Yeah, my both of both them of grew them. up in a tent. You know, no home. We're homelesses. Were Israel was a was a young country. Was not enough food for everybody. Constant war. Um, they, my dad used to tell me the stories. They they used to go to they used to go look for just any kind of uh, green weeds they can find, make a soup out of it to eat something, to have a taste in the water. Mm. And then my dad, they sent my dad to uh, to uh, orphanage, to a school in Jerusalem because they couldn't afford uh, feeding him. And uh, that that's another trip. He grew up there, you know, in Jerusalem in the winter snow. He used to go to the to the cemetery. The Jews uh, buried their uh, dead, uh, not in a, not in a um, casket not in a casket no uh no chemicals because dust to dust you go back to dust so no clothes you wear uh, a cloth something they put you in uh straight in the ground straight in the ground so the clothes nobody want to take the dead people's clothes they throw it away so my dad used to come and take those clothes <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's how he dressed himself that's how you get dressed yeah so from that you know to where i am today i grew up in a different world i grew up i had whatever i wanted to you know from I, I could never ask for something I didn't have it. I always had whatever I want to. So that only in, in one generation, the whole country just changed so much. 
insane. And you know, and now with the 70 years old, the country gonna be soon, and my kid is here. It's it's you know, it's like a tech empire, you know, we're a strong military. My mom was telling me when she was 16, they took all the high school kids in the in the, the 70s to the national park in Tel Aviv to dig graves because there was a war coming. And they expect that at least half of the population will dead will be die, will be dead. So they took all the high school kids to dig graves. Damn. Yeah. That's a fucking whole different way to live. Yeah. So you know, you know, you you've been in my house. So you see how my mom cooked. There's so much food. Yeah. She grew up hungry, so she can never think. She can never bear the thought that anybody come to her house and be hungry. That's why you always. My mom is there. The whole neighborhood's eating. She's my favorite cook on earth. That's yeah, no mine too. <laughs> I'd say your I'd say your wife is probably a close second. Yeah, she's she's learning she's learning the the tricks of the trade. Yeah, and tonight we get to feast. You're yes. cooking up a fucking. I'm gonna break keto. I hit this five day fast. I've been balls deep in ketosis for a while. Now when I'm in town. That's right. Now when you're in town. When in Rome, brother. I'm gonna, gonna eat do the, yeah. The Afghan. It's gonna kosher. be an Afghan uh, rice and chicken. Yeah, I'm fucking so pumped. <laughs> well, I'm, we're going to jam off this podcast so we can crush a workout, get some good time on the mat. You can show yeah. me some, some jujitsu shit that I've been missing out on. Definitely. Thank you for joining us, brother. Oh, it was we'll awesome. definitely have you back. Yeah, for sure. Thank you guys for tuning in to the On It Podcast. Make sure you check out my boy on the social media. He is at N-O-A-D underscore L-A-H-A-T. Noad underscore Lahat on all social media we normally get to that at the end of the podcast but my mind is on other things such as getting on the mats and learning from this great jujitsu practitioner which we'll be doing here shortly thanks for tuning in guys and if you enjoy the show as much as i do please leave us a five-star review it helps get the word out lets other people see what's going on here with this on a podcast thank you for listening as always